You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. And uh, today we're going to be learning from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. So if you have your Bibles, please open them with me. And um, I just want to say up front that this message is it's mostly for me. It's a message that I need today. And since I uh, heard that we're doing, a, 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 we're talking about prayer, uh, I wanted to take this time to highlight this passage for us. Um, so let's go ahead and read it. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to read it for us. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you will speak to us through your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts, our minds, and uh, I pray that you would challenge us and transform us and give us hope and uh, make us more like Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So Paul is writing his last words to the church of Philippi. Chapter 4 is the last chapter in the the letter to the Philippian church. And uh, Paul planted this church. And if you actually have the time to read the letter, you will see that this is one of the letters that have the most uh, content when it comes to Christology. It talks a lot about Jesus, about who Jesus is. And he doesn't stop even to the end. He points people to Jesus. And in a way, what Paul is doing at the end is pointing people back to Jesus. And I want to highlight that and talk about that uh, specifically from the topic of, of what prayer is. But this is something that a lot of people think uh, is two different elements or two different aspects. Some people think that he is encouraging people to stand firm, and then he moves on to uh, agreeing in the Lord, and then he moves on to asking us to rejoice in the Lord, and then he moves on to a whole new topic, and then he talks about prayer and how we should not be anxious, and, and, then, and then he continues. Uh, but I want to I zoom in. Uh, on, on what I think is the overarching or underlying topic, which is just pointing everything or pointing our hearts, our minds, our eyes to Jesus. And I want to notice something. Paul gives us three different commands in verses 1, 2, and 4. And uh, the first command is to everyone, to the beloved, to the brothers, and it's to stand, fir- to stand firm. Then in verse 2, there's apparently some uh, conflict between two women in the church. And I don't know how to pronounce their names, so we're just going to call them two women. And uh, he tells them to agree 
or to live in harmony. And then in verse 4, he moves back to everyone, and he, he tells all of us to rejoice. And if you notice, they all have one thing in common. And everything that Paul says, he says to do it in the Lord. And this is not a small thing that we should just overlook. This is important. And if we take this phrase, in the Lord, in two parts, the first one, which is in, it's basically a preposition, a Greek preposition that uh, could mean many things, but the, the, the summary of what, it, what this means is that in means uh, inside, it could also mean next to, it could also mean on top of, it could also mean uh, around it. It's, it's a preposition that points you to a specific place. It indicates a location where one should be or is. And when it's followed by a command, it, it makes it even more radical. So what Paul, in a way, is saying is that we should stand firm, that we should agree or live in harmony, and that we should rejoice in a specific place, or in this case, in a specific person. We are to do all these things in the Lord. Inside the Lord, next to the Lord, from the Lord, on top of the Lord, around the Lord, Paul is pointing us in the direction of the Lord. And the Lord is Jesus Christ. The, the, the translation here is uh, the word Kyrios, which was used for Jesus. So what Paul is doing initially in these three apparently different uh, commands is to say, whatever you do, do it towards him. Do it in him. Do it from him. Go to him. Paul's intention is that we place all these important things or we look for all these important things or we find these important things in Jesus. Let me say it this way. Paul is commanding people to find stability in the Lord. Paul is commanding Christians who are maybe disagreeing or having conflict to find agreement or harmony in the Lord. Paul is asking Christians to find their joy or rejoice in, towards, from the Lord. Let's place, Paul say, our stability, our harmony, our joy in the Lord. Or let's look for that in the Lord. Whatever you think it needs to mean, what Paul is saying is, if you want stability, look that way. If you want agreement, look that way. If you want joy, look towards that. And in a way, Paul is also saying, your stability, the one that you have, maybe the little or the, or, or the much you have, place it in the Lord. Or your joy, place it in the Lord. Or your harmony, place it in the Lord. And these are all important things we have or we need as people. I want stability, especially nowadays. We all like harmony. We want to get along with each other. And we are always looking for happiness or rejoicing or joy. And what's happening and what Paul is realizing, and this is, has been throughout history, is that we carry all these important and precious things that we need as people, and sometimes we're placing them on flimsy little things. And what's happening is that these flimsy things will fail. And then 
we're going to end up anxious, which is what he's about to talk about. Paul is calling all of us to find the important things in life in God. And the reason why is because God is the only person that will never fail us. So, we can give many examples. But there's, there's a few things, that, not a few things, many things that personally, I personally love. One of the things I personally love is, is my kids. I love being with my kids. And then I, want, I play sometimes my joy in my kids. I get up in the morning and I see them and my girls are so cute and my boys are so amazing. And, and I place my joy in them, right? And I smile when I see them. The problem is that they're so flimsy that literally 10 seconds after, they grab my joy and tear it apart and throw it down the drain. And I'm like, what did you just say? Or why? It's just like back and forth. Because my kids are not strong enough to hold my joy. And the same with everything else. I'm trying to buy a house and the economy is not helping me and the interest rates are changing, and I cannot put my stability on an economy, or on a down payment, or on a job. I cannot. It's flimsy. And the Bible says, put them on the Lord. Seek them in the Lord. Why? Because Jesus does not move. Because Jesus is the solid rock. And truly, Everything else is sinking sand. Truly, whatever you think you have is sinking sand. Whatever gives us peace that is not God is going to fail us. Everything. It does not matter if you graduated from the best school in the world and you have the best position. All of that disappears in a moment. My wife cannot give me what I need. She is not the source of my joy or my love or my security because she fails me. I fail her. You will fail me. The church will fail you. Your job will fail you. Your son, your husband, your mom, your dad, your car, your career. Anything falls apart. And in fact, it will. And what Paul is saying, the underlying topic is go to God. Place that in God. Find it in God. And this is what I need to hear. Because I am not doing this constantly. I constantly find ways to take those elements and place them on myself or in other things except for God. Jesus is our solid rock Jesus is our foundation. Jesus does not sink. Jesus doesn't move. He's steadfast. Jesus never goes into recession. Jesus never goes on crisis mode. Jesus will never betray us. Jesus doesn't die. He did once and then he defeated death. He is the strongest foundation we can ever find or have. Jesus is the owner and the creator of everyone and everything. And the stronger and bigger our foundation, our rock, is the bigger we can uh, experiment all these things or experience these things. 
So I want to ask ourselves, what is it today that is giving you joy? What do you think provides stability for you? What do you think harmony or brings you harmony? And if the answer is not God, we need to start looking to God again. The problem is that if we don't do that, we're going to be anxious. And I know that anxiety is sort of like a new word that everybody is experiencing after the pandemic even more. And, and, and the Bible not, doesn't necessarily talk about the uh, medical condition that could be determined or, or diagnosed as anxiety, but the anxiety that we feel when we don't, we don't have all these things met. And Paul, in verse 6, is very explicit in, in telling us what happens when you don't find your joy in the Lord, when you don't find your security in the Lord, we become anxious. And Paul says, in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. And this is important for all of us to hear, especially for me. My wife is sitting right here and she's nodding. Well, she's not nodding, but she knows I deal with this. I am anxious constantly. I'm trying to find ways to like hold on to things. Like, what is it? The car broke down. What am I going to do about this? Oh, my kid is not doing well in school. What am I going to do about that? How can I fix my kid? Oh, how can I find a better house? Is it like I'm I'm constantly looking around, seeing what I can do and what I can hold on to and fix and and take care of, and and that's the issue. That I live a life of anxiety, and I'm afraid most of us live that way as well. And the Bible, Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything. This sounds really good as a verse that we read. But when it comes to daily life, is this really how we're living? Do not be anxious about anything? And it, 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 it's more accentuated because this is not the first time we hear this. Jesus said it several times. Jesus said it several times. But before we get to Jesus, I want to make sure that, that we understand that the, consequence, uh, the consequences of placing our hopes, our joy, our stability, or anything else in other things rather than on Jesus is that we will become anxious. And Paul calls us again to go to the rock. Paul calls us again to go to the only person that is eternal and steadfast. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, anything, but in everything, but in everything, in everything. And I need to hear that. In everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Notice this. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, talk to God. And I, I think I've preached this message like two or three times in my life. And I still struggle with this. It's absolutely okay to pray to God for everything. It's biblical. It's, you don't have to have this 
doctrinally correct way of approaching God so that he can hear you. No, he says, in everything. I remember one time Carla told me to pray for a parking spot, and I, th I think I, I told you this, and I felt there was the most ridiculous thing in the world. I'm like, I'm not going to bother God for a parking spot. I got this. I, but the Bible does say pray for everything. There is nothing here that says, uh, well, this category uh, qualifies for like an actual prayer, and this is just a trivial, stupid thing. No. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if we're honest, we are all very shallow as well. Our needs are not just deep and important needs. We have daily, normal, small, tiny, trivial needs. And God says, yes, you can come up to me and talk to me about those as well. But what Paul continues to say is, instead of looking everywhere else that will provide and give you anxiety, Turn to God. Talk to God. Talk to Jesus. And that is really hard to hear and to do. I've heard, and I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a culture that actually told me to not pay attention to the bad things of life. Uh, growing up, I heard things like, well, don't think about the bad issues. Or if you're having a problem, just, just get distracted. Or, or if there is a hard conversation, maybe you should not, just not have that. Um, get away from the toxic, toxic people. Uh, just a culture of avoiding the difficult situations. And sometimes we do that. But what Paul is suggesting here is not necessarily avoiding the situation or ignoring or getting distracted. He actually calls us to address it and bring him to God. Paul is prescribing that we redirect those things to the right person. Paul is telling us that we should acknowledge these issues, list them, talk about them, and bring them to God. And Paul says something important. Not just by prayer, which is talking to God, but through supplications as well. Do you know what a supplication is? It's begging. God is okay with us begging him. God is okay with us kneeling down and asking over and over and over again. It doesn't mean he's going to do it but it's okay to do it. Paul is calling us to place everything to God, to look to God. And what, what he's basically telling us is just grab your issues, grab your problems, and place them in this solid rock. Grab your kids and their behaviors and place them on this solid rock. Grab the fact that you don't have a house and you need to move and place them on this 
solid rock. Grab whatever is going with your family or your sickness and place them on the thing that doesn't move, that never fails, that is powerful. Pass them to God. Give them to God. Live them up to God. And that is a sign of trust. What I believe, what I believe Paul is doing is he is calling us to move our eyes, to put our hopes, to place our concerns on Jesus. I want to read you the words of, of Jesus. And uh, Joe, I'm going to jump a few, a few verses down to Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. And Paul is basically repeating what Jesus said to us and to his disciples and to many people. And when I first read this, it just struck me the amount of times he says and commands us not to be anxious. Matthew 6, 25 to 34 says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet... Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, we will, not, he, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall, we, we, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then he says it again, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. How many times did he say, do not be anxious? I didn't count them all, but there was more than I need. Probably not, I need more. The underlying message is for us to run to God. It's for us to stop placing our burdens on ourselves. For us to stop putting heavy things on flimsy foundations. And this is something we need to do. And the key thing that I want to mention is that we should do this in prayer. And this is where I need to be reminded of every day. My initial reaction needs to be to go to, go to God in prayer. 
Because prayer is not just a suggestion. It's also a command. It's so important to the Christian life that we are commanded to do it all the time. Literally, always. In every circumstance. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, assumes, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love and stand and pray in the synagogues, etc. But then uh, Jesus says again, when you pray, but when you pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Matthew 6, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, etc. This is important. Jesus, we don't have a record of Jesus teaching his disciples how to preach, how to do uh, church structures. No. But we have a clear teaching on Jesus on how to pray, how to fast, how to give to the needy, the important things. 1 Timothy 2 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. We need to pray. I need to pray more. We don't have time to read all the verses that call us to pray, but we need to pray. We need to go back to God. I am convinced that as a church, as New City, the only reason why, our, why we're still standing is because some of us have been praying. Some of you have been praying. And we need to continue to do it. There's no way around praying. There is no Christian excuse to not pray. Prayerlessness is a sin. We must pray. We must go to Jesus. And this is a confession time. The reason why it's hard for me to pray is because I'm proud. It's because I want to figure it out myself. Because I want the glory. Because it is humiliating to say I don't know. Because it is humbling to be in a car in a full parking lot and not being able to find a parking spot. Because I want to feel strong. Because I want to feel like I, I got it together. And I need to pray. I need to be humble. And I need to stop putting my hopes and my joy and my stability in things that will eventually fail me. And they fail me. And they've constantly failed me. And they've been failing me for years. And I still go to those things. I don't know if that's you, but I keep doing that. I need to remind myself that the soccer, the Mexican soccer team will never give me the joy I really want. And I can't. Every time I hear, there's going to be a game, I, I immediately get like, yes. Like if we're going to win, I know they're not going to win probably. And I still do it. I actually went to Mexico and I took my wife to a Mexican soccer team and it was amazing. Huh? Soccer team. So, well, football, not soccer. But we, we go back to these things that will never fill us. Prayer is humility. Prayer is acknowledging that we don't have our lives figured out. Prayer is not informing God of something he doesn't already know. 
No, we pray to acknowledge that we need, we, we pray to acknowledge or, or to, to let him know that we need his intervention. We pray because we're weak. We pray because we're unable. And we need to run to Jesus. And I want to finish with this. God is so good. God is so, such a good father that he has a, a prize for us if we do this. Jesus is like a dad that says, if you do this, I'm going to give you a lollipop. And you're like, yeah, and you still don't do it. God says, if you pray, if you come to me, the peace, my peace, that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is, it's just all around a winning for us. We place our hopes and everything on a solid rock and then peace will come. God will give us peace. And this is important. God will give us peace. His peace, not our peace, not the peace that we uh, can come up with or that we can sort of uh, talk ourselves into. No, it's not meditation. It's not about breathing. It's not about you being alone next to a creek in the mountain. No, it's not about that. It's a peace that comes from Him no matter what you're going through or where you are. It is a peace that comes from God. The peace of God will be with us. But we need to do something before that. We need to place our stuff on Him. We need to talk to Him. We need to go to Him. And then the peace of God will come to us. And this is a peace that does not make sense. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not logical, but it's the peace that makes a person rejoice while, while in prison. It is the peace that makes a disciple say that death is gain. It is the peace that makes someone count every single achievement in his life as rubbish in order to get Jesus. It is a peace that the world cannot understand, and we need that peace. And then this peace does two things for us. It guards our hearts and it guards our minds. And this term guard is literally a military term that implies that a heavy military guard will be protecting us from anyone that tries to hurt us. So our hearts will be guarded, our emotions will be guarded, our mood would be guarded if we talk to him, if we place our stuff on him. And not only our emotions or our heart, but also our minds. Anyone here struggles with thoughts that you should not have? Don't raise your hand. Well, this peace will guard your heart and your mind and your thoughts and your perspectives and your mindsets. So this is not just a little bit of help or a little prize. No, this is, this is a big prize. And if there's something that our world needs today, it's peace. And it's available to us. It's a prayer away from us. 
If you keep reading in, 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 in Philippians 4, in verse 9, Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And then he repeats it. And the God of peace will be with you. So it's not only that he will give us peace and that the peace will guard our hearts and that the peace will guard our, our minds. It's also that if we practice these things, the God of peace will be with us. And that is amazing. But again, what I'm saying, what I think the over, underlying theme or topic is that Paul continues to tell us, look at him. Put everything on him. And it reminds me of this uh, famous hymn that says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There is light for a look at the Savior. And life more abundant and free. New City Fellowship, let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This is the peace that Jesus offers to us. And it's only found in him. It's the peace that says you don't have to get it right. He already got it right for you. You don't have to measure up. He measured up for us. You don't have to be smart. He is smart. You don't have to be strong. He is strong. You don't have to defeat your enemies. He already did it for us on the cross. That is the blessing of our message of the gospel. This is good news. That in him we can have peace. And that we can all be little, ugly, dingy, hard-headed sheep. But we have the best pastor ever. He cleanses us, and he goes, and he gets us, and he puts us back in the fold. And then we jump back out of the fold, and he gets us back in the fold, and then we get hurt. And then he protects us and heals us. This is our shepherd. And without Jesus, all you can find is a life of anxiety and depression and just being like, I'm tired. I cannot keep up. And that's what happens to me constantly. And I have to refocus my mind and think, I need to do this in the Lord. I need to put my eyes in the Lord. I need to turn and look at him and tell him and talk to him. And if you're not a believer, this is available to you too. And it's free. You don't have to get your life together before coming to Christ. He's not expecting you to get right before you come to him. It wouldn't make sense. Christianity would not make sense if you need to become a better person to become a Christian. Then, then you, don't know, you no longer need to be Christian, in a sense. Christianity is recognizing I need help. I need a savior. I need someone to help me because I can't do this on my own. And then you run to the help and you run to the prince of peace and you run to the guy who is stable and who is a solid rock and you place your life on him. And that's what Romans 5, 8 says. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ can help us. His arms are open wide to all of us, whether you are a Christian or whether you're not a Christian. His, eyes are, his arms are open wide for all of us. 
This is what we call the gospel, the good news that we don't have to save ourselves. We have a savior that did everything for us out of grace, not because we deserve it, but because we can't. This is our, our, our savior. So if you are not a believer, I would like to invite you to come and talk to me or one of the uh, leaders in the church, uh, and we would love to, uh, you know, wrestle w through this with you, or if you have any questions, we would love to answer your questions. We mostly want to see you go to Jesus and experience his peace. And if you're a believer and you struggle like me, I want to invite us all to constantly put our hearts, our eyes, our prayers to Jesus. Let's be like kids. My kids ask for anything and everything. And I love them. I get tired sometimes, but God doesn't. So pray. Let's pray. Let's continue to pray as a church. Let's run to him first and receive his peace. Let's go ahead and pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the fact that you are available to us. We thank you because we can come to you. The God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Lord, thank you for being there for us. Thank you for wanting to take care of our needs. Thank you for wanting and, and being open to hearing our even tiny and sometimes not very smart supplications and prayers. But you, 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 you enjoy just talking to us and that we talk to you. And, and Lord, I pray that today you would move our hearts to come to you, to look to you, to, to place our, our, our security in the Lord, to, to uh, find our joy in the Lord, to turn our problems our, and our anxieties into prayers and supplications and, and give you thanks of everything for everything. And Lord, we also want to take this time to, to ask for forgiveness. Especially me, Lord, because we try to solve things on our own constantly. Sometimes we don't even remember to pray. And that's why we live so anxious. Lord, help us pray and forgive us. Forgive us for the sin of prayerlessness. Lord, I pray that today all of us as a church would be moved to rely more on you, to be humble, to be willing to, to just say, I don't know, and I can't. Help me. Lord, I finally want to thank you for your mercy and your grace upon this church. And I pray that we will continue to be a church that relies on you and depends on you all the time. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.